0: Today churches, actually millions of churches across the world are celebrating Pentecost Sunday which commemorates the occasion 2,000 years ago when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the first group of believers and the church exploded into life. This is an important day for churches around the globe and as a church which believes in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, it's especially poignant for us. There's a lot of ring on there, can I do anything from this end? Uh, Our vision statement includes that phrase, we do everything basically, in the power of the Holy Spirit. One of our seven hallmarks as a church is being naturally supernatural, which means uh, operating in the power and in the anointing of the Holy Spirit without being weird. We make time to encounter the Holy Spirit in our Sunday services, in our ministry times, in small groups, at pretty much every gathering that we do. We put on, as you just heard, prophecy training courses. We have ministries like Healing on the Streets, so people who don't know God can meet Him through receiving ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. Living and ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit is so much a part of our DNA here at Trent. So today is a good opportunity for us to revisit the story of Pentecost and remind ourselves who the Holy Spirit is and what he means to us. In my experience, even people who would not call themselves Christians or not call themselves religious, they want to have experiences outside of just their own physical life, experiences that we might describe as spiritual. Research carried out by the Barna Group in the U.S., found that three-quarters of American adults believe in some kind of higher power. And that picture is not that dissimilar here in the UK. For instance, according to Tier Fund, many British adults started to pray during the lockdowns, even if they had never prayed before, even if they had no belief in God. I'm sure many of you, while having conversations with non-Christian friends, will have heard that expression, "'I'm not religious, but I am spiritual.'" Maybe you're here today and you would describe yourself that way. I'm not sure I'm a Christian, a committed Christian, but I am spiritual. Walk around Nottingham City Centre, you'll find numerous shops selling crystals and offering tarot card reading. A quick search done by a colleague for Psychic Nottingham on the events website, Eventbrite, came up with 43 pages of results. Evening's where people can access experiences along the lines of having their future told, communicating with a lost loved one, or having some sort of spiritual experience. People want to connect with something beyond themselves, and they turn to all sorts of ways in seeking that. But as Christians, we believe that we can connect to someone beyond ourselves. God is with us by the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit. He's not distant we don't just think about him or believe stuff about him or believe that Christianity is a collection of ideas that help us to think about our life, though those things are partly true. We also believe that we can encounter God in a personal and tangible way through his spirit. We believe that we are led by his presence, that he interacts with us personally, and that he moves through us and through others in spiritual gifts such as healing such as prophecy. People don't need to look for different spiritual experiences through means like crystals and psychics to reach something outside themselves, but can encounter the real living God in a supernatural and powerful way through his Holy Spirit. So let's take a look back to the first Pentecost Sunday when people encountered God's presence in a really powerful way. This occasion comes after the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. And when the risen Jesus had spent a few weeks with his followers after his resurrection, he said this in Acts chapter 1 verse 4. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John, that's as John the Baptist is referring to, baptized with water, But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so after Jesus' ascension into heaven, as instructed, they waited. And we read, as we turn the page into chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. People from this wide range of ethnicities and languages were able to hear the wonders of God being prophesied, being spoken out through this miraculous experience. Dividing walls were powerfully dismantled in this prophetic moment. This diversity gathered in Jerusalem on this day was a foretaste of the diversity of the global universal church, something we see today as Christianity spread from that moment right across the entire globe, and something we increasingly celebrate here as a church family. It's wonderful that in recent years, particularly since George Floyd's death three years ago this past week, we have been spurred into conversations about diversity and have seen the level of ethnic and racial diversity grow significantly in our church. It's really worthy of celebration. It must have been quite something, if you were there that day, to have experienced. Visually, seeing what looked like tongues of fire. They heard a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. They heard different languages being spoken. No wonder wonder it says the people were amazed... In bewilderment, they watched us and said, this is amazing. This is uh, kind of baffling. My friend David Carr, who led a church in Birmingham before his retirement, was unable to read or write in English, he told me, until he was 18 years old. And he has never learned another language. And some years ago he told me that he was at an Assemblies of God ministers conference when they asked him if he would pray for 10 missionaries, I think up the front, and uh, just lay hands on them and pray for them. Uh, And they didn't tell him anything about them, like where they were from. They were all white Caucasians. And David went up to the first one and took him by surprise, I think. He found himself suddenly praying over them in a language he didn't know. happened to be French. And everyone gasped because they knew that the language was the guy that this guy was working in. And David's recollection was that he moved to the next one and suddenly found himself praying in Italian, the next in German, then in Cantonese, and the next one in some Arabic language just went down the line. And everyone was just awestruck because he didn't know where they were ministering, he didn't know the language they spoke, and yet he prayed over each in the language of the people that they were working with. And the guys were coming up at the end saying, he just told us all about our ministries. Whatever he was saying, prophetically praying, in their languages, is simply a miraculous thing. And that has happened with him and others. Uh, I could tell you other stories about that. Just last week, Susan, one of Trent's members, was on an online prayer meeting with some people from different nations. And one man prayed in what Susan assumed was Tongues, the gift of tongues, these other languages. And once he'd finished speaking, she offered an interpretation of that, what she thought was a tongue, before the translator could actually translate. She was later told that her interpretation, her sense uh, from the Lord about what had been said was apparently the same as what the man had actually shared in his native tongue. But she didn't recognize it. Time doesn't allow me to tell more stories, but what is common among them is that those involved are often like the hearers on the day of Pentecost. They're amazed and perplexed. At the first Pentecost, people were acting so strangely, those present thought, some thought they may be drunk. The presence of the Holy Spirit clearly had a physical and observable tangible tangible impact on these people and the onlookers see something that looks like tongues of fire separating and resting upon them so there's something visible. They hear something that sounds like wind. The passage said that people came running because they heard the sound probably of the wind. They also hear the disciples speaking in these different languages declaring the wonders of God and those involved in that, they experienced it. They actually felt something. And this is consistent throughout the scriptures. When people encounter the Holy Spirit, the language that is often used refers to things that are seen and heard and felt. Encountering God through his Holy Spirit is often a tangible experience. Some of you will have experienced that. In an undeniable way, a way that we can know His presence and His power beyond a something or someone that we read about in the Bible. But what happened on that first day of Pentecost wasn't just a one off experience for those who were there, it pointed to something far bigger. And Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, he understood this. He preached his first sermon. This was his, like, whoop, you're up, Pete. You know, he never had any rehearsal. He'd never written a script or anything. Just simply, a load of people had gathered, and so you'd better get on and preach a sermon. And uh, so he did, and he understood this. He preached his first sermon there, and he said that this outpouring of the Holy Spirit that you're witnessing today was the fulfillment of something that a prophet hundreds of years earlier had said would happen. He's referring to something the prophet Joel had said that one day God will pour out his spirit. And we find this in Acts 2, verse 17. In the last days, God says, he's quoting from the Old Testament, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. He says, Look, what you're seeing now, this prophecy talking about the wonders of God in different people's languages, is. Those days are these days. And Peter went on to say that David, in verse 31, spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. In other words, this moment with the Holy Spirit is the fulfillment of prophecies about Jesus' death, his resurrection, and the promise of the Holy Spirit. Peter tells them that this miraculous moment was, had huge consequences for them and indeed for us. It is a reality that every one of us is going to die. Now, I know you might come to church to be uplifted. That may not feel like the most uplifting thought, but it's simply a reality. We are all, every single one of us, going to die. And some of us are aware of, well, th- that might be sooner than it was a few decades ago, you know, various aches and pains. Maybe your knees don't work quite the way they used to, or you've got a bit of back pain. Maybe hair is starting to grow out of your ears or out of your nose. You started to make strange grunting noises every time you get out of a chair. We're all heading in that direction. It's only a question of time. And death is the biggest obstacle to life. Death is a thing that many people fear. But here's the good news that Peter is sharing with those who have gathered Jesus has broken through, he's pierced through the veil of death. And in verse 21, he says this, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Through Jesus, God made a way for us to have life with him, that we would never have to be afraid of anything. We need, if we know Jesus, never fear death, because in Jesus, death was overcome. God reached to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Our arms weren't long enough to reach him, but his were long enough to reach us. Here's a challenging thing for us all to consider. For most people, they they think about people and the dividing line as it relates to life in God between basically good and bad. And you'll often hear people say, well, I don't go to church, but I'm I'm a good person. Some people feel they're a bad person. But basically, that's the thing. Am I a good person or am I... A bad person. The Bible says, no, that's not the right dividing line. As it relates to God, we are all bad. However bad you think you are, it is so much worse than you think. <laughs> and no matter how good you think someone is, they are wor- way more, worse than you think. The closer you get to someone, the more you see the intricacies of their life. Perhaps you're married to them or something like that, the more you see their flaws. All the more so with our perfectly holy God who's omniscient and knows and sees everything. How much more in the light of his brilliance do our flaws show? He's unlike anyone you've ever imagined. He's more loving and good and kind than you could imagine. And so here's the difference in the message that's found in Jesus. The dividing line between people is not about whether they are good or bad. The dividing line is essentially between humble people and prideful people. Those who realize that they don't measure up to God's standards and those who think they're okay on their own. And this is the basic message of Peter. This moment at Pentecost proves that Jesus' death, his life, his resurrection, uh, his ascension is for us. God reached to us with all our flaws, all our imperfections that he was very cognizant of in the person of Jesus Christ. And all we need to do, says Peter, is call on the name of the Lord. Call on the name of the Lord to accept God's outstretched hand. And we read that that sermon went pretty well because on Peter's first ever time of preaching, 3,000 people Said yes and received that gift, became Christians that day. The church exploded into life. Imagine how many small groups they had to get started (laughs) and organize administration and everything else. If you're here today and you're not sure what you believe about Christianity or Jesus, about faith, I'd encourage you to pick up those two booklets as you leave. But I believe God wants you to know that he is reaching out for you. He wants a relationship with you. He is passionate about you. And he's offering that free of charge. I wonder if you have said yes yet to his offer of salvation. If not, there will be an opportunity uh, a little later to accept that invitation. But there's more to that in this passage. As Jesus pierced through death into a new life, it also means that as he poked that hole through this veil of this thin physical world, it means now that heaven is breaking backward into this world. It's not just that Jesus shows us a way into heaven, but now he's made a way for heaven to come to earth. and That's what's being expressed. In this moment of Pentecost, the power and the presence of God is being poured out on people, and this power, the power of the future age, the powers of heaven is so overwhelming that it's changing even the way their body works. What they say, how they behave, such that they look drunk to others. But here's the basic thought. The story of the Bible is basically not a message of how we get to heaven. Some of you have heard that message, that the reason you need to connect with Jesus is so that you can get to heaven. Now, while that is true, that really is not, by any means, the full message. The message is this. Jesus did what he did so that heaven gets into us. It's not about us getting into heaven, but heaven getting into us. And that's what we experience with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're experiencing the power of heaven, of the future age, breaking into our bodies, into our lives, into our minds. And it's not like some other otherworldly experience. It's not like we're going into some fake, thin existence. You know, when people think about heaven... Too often they think about cartoon images involving harps and babies with wings and clouds. I don't know what people imagine heaven is. It's a a kind of strange and and thin place. It's actually quite the opposite. According to the Bible, the world we're living in now actually is the fake world. It's corrupted. It's fragile. It's broken. It's decaying. And when heaven breaks in, it's like we are suddenly introduced to reality in all its color and realness the fullness and the thickness of a life with God is more weighty and powerful than this thin world temporary world in which we are living and that's why people's bodies react they talk differently they act differently they experience things that set their body to right that's actually what healing is if you think about it that's it's what is promised in heaven where everything is made right where everything is sorted where everything is restored and made whole in the future time future age when the power of the kingdom of god comes through the presence of the holy spirit he sets things right he restores things through the power of the holy spirit we can experience those things promised in heaven where everything is made right. So things like emotional healing, physical healing, God speaking with us clearly, a sense of peace is found in his presence. We so love hearing stories of when the Holy Spirit has encountered people here at Trent in lots of different ways. For example, I heard a couple of weeks ago in Trent Youth that they spent some time praying for one another for physical healing. After the young people prayed for each other, one young person's leg, this is reported, was healed. And another who had a sprained elbow was unable to straighten it, experienced a significant reduction in the amount of pain and they were able to actually fully straighten their arm. Another young person at Trent Youth had struggled with her mental health for a long time, experiencing deep sadness and intrusive thoughts. And during the ministry time, It was in March. A team member prayed for her and asked God's presence to fill her. Now, having gone from being uh, not being able to remember a time when she was free from intrusive thoughts, from that moment, she reports, she has not experienced them since being prayed for. That is amazing. The presence of God through his Holy Spirit changes us. Last week, I and others heard about Pete, who was in a restaurant and he just had this sense that the Holy Spirit might be speaking to him about the guy who was serving them. And so uh, the word was that this guy needed to use his voice. And so Pete introduced himself and said, excuse me, I'm a Christian, can I just share something with you? And it turned out the guy was thinking of opening a wine bar and starting a storytelling evening. And this word, use his voice, for you know, was just really applicable to him, It was such an encouragement to him. And he said to Pete, are you a psychic? And Pete said, no, I'm not, Uh, I'm a Christian. And he was able to explain and then to talk about uh, Jesus Christ. A few weeks ago, one of our Connect team was over there at the Connect desk and there was a lady there simply leaning on the desk. And the Connect team member asked her if she needed anything and she said, no, I'm fine. But she kept leaning against that desk. So after a few minutes, uh, she went back and asked again. And this lady said, you're going to think this is weird, but I just have this overwhelming sense of peace that I've never had before. She was here with us on a Sunday, visiting, I believe. She was experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit so profoundly that she just had to stay there, leaning against the desk. All of us have access to the Holy Spirit and what he does. We have an expression in the vineyard that everyone gets to play. So I want to encourage every one of us today and every day, no matter how young you are in your relationship with Jesus, to press into partnering with the Holy Spirit, being aware of his... He's always moving. He's just inviting us to join in, maybe by praying for someone, maybe today or asking God to speak to someone through you. Maybe you've not been used to coming up the front and and ministering, and maybe it's your first time, maybe you haven't done it for a while. I really would encourage you, partner with the Holy Spirit, press into that moment, and you never know what might happen. It's worth noting that many of us who have stepped out in this way know that it doesn't always go to plan. Uh, It hasn't gone to plan for me many, many times. You know, I've seen... Some people amazingly heal, but many times when I've prayed for people and I've asked, you know, Is there, are you feeling anything? Is there any improvement? They're like, no. Nope. <laughs> I've sensed I've had a word of knowledge for someone. Maybe I've been on a plane or in a restaurant or in church and when I've offered it, I said, does that, does that mean anything to you? They're like, nope. Okay, well, I'm slight, slightly embarrassing those moments, but at least I tried. Anyone here, when Jordan Seng spoke a few weeks ago, Uh, about faith being spelt T-R-Y, try. I mean, it's faith spelled R-A-S-K as well. But basically, the Lord just wants us to try to partner with him. Over the last four decades, I have prayed for people. I've seen them miraculously healed. I've also prayed for others. They've not received any at all measurable indication of healing. In some instances, I have stood on this stage and done their funeral with a broken heart. We live in the tension of the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God, God's will being done and God's will not being fully done. the experience of heaven breaking into our lives and the experience of it not breaking in fully. But I'm struck by something that Pete, who shared that word about using his voice with the guy in the restaurant, something he said, as he shared this last week instead of asking, "What if it isn't God? You know, we're thinking of taking a risk, like, what if I've made it up? What if I've imagined it? What if it isn't God? I've started, he said, asking, what if it is God? And imagining the profound effect that this might have on someone's life. When we're tempted, should I just share this thing? Is that a word of knowledge? I don't know. What if it is God? If I prayed for that person, they got healed. What if it is God? It's a turnaround of perspective, isn't it? I'd encourage you, as I encourage myself, to step in to that place more. The Bible talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. We read earlier about being baptized with the Holy Spirit, and uh, the Apostle Paul he writes to the Ephesian church and says, "Be filled with the Holy Spirit." Apparently, the Greek tense he's using there means "go on being filled with the Holy Spirit." It's not a once-off occasion. Go on being filled. And one result of that may be that we grow in our expectation of God what God can do through us as we are empowered by Him. <coughs> Excuse me. Another result will be that the fruit of the Spirit will grow in our lives. Evident qualities of love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. Self control will just naturally grow. As we are filled and as we keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit, our character will change. We will find ourselves becoming gentler, kinder, more self controlled. If you've been around Trent for any time, you will have heard us say that phrase, Come, Holy Spirit. It is an ancient prayer, and we pray it all the time at our gatherings. Come, Holy Spirit. Now, I think it's important to remind ourselves that we're not saying that God is somewhere else and He needs to turn up at our meeting. You know, he's, he's not already with us. His presence is always with us, He lives in us, and we can have access to His presence at any time. But what we're saying with that prayer is Holy Spirit, you are so welcome. We long for more of you. Would you increase your manifest presence? Among us, would you touch our bodies, touch our minds, would you ignite our spirits, change us, fill this place, fill me with the power and the presence of heaven itself? That's what we want when we become aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit, when we make space to pay attention to experiencing Him, to not just have enough of the Holy Spirit to kind of get through the day. Perhaps we need a bit more of his presence to get through this difficult trial that we may be facing. But a profound connection with God that changes us and fills us with the power and presence of heaven itself. Billy Graham said this, Everywhere I go, I find that God's people lack something. They are hungry for something. Their Christian experience is not all that they had expected and they often have recurring defeat in their lives. Christians today are hungry for spiritual fulfillment. The most desperate need of the nation today is that men and women who profess Jesus be filled with the Holy Spirit. It might be that some of us need a fresh reminder today of what that is like. Maybe you have experienced the Holy Spirit in the past, maybe some of you in profoundly tangible ways, but you need to experience him again. Maybe you feel spiritually dry this morning, or there's something going on that you desperately need God to come and intervene in. It may be that you've never experienced God's presence. Perhaps you're not sure what you think about faith. You wouldn't necessarily call yourself a Christian right now, but maybe you feel ready to accept God's invitation for the first time. Others of you may have been just trying so hard to change something about yourself. Maybe you're trying to be calmer or kinder or more loving, and trying doesn't seem to be getting you anywhere. What the Bible tells us is that trying harder doesn't work. What we need is to yield ourselves to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And as his power and as his presence flows through us, the fruit of the Spirit is a natural expression of his presence and influence in our lives. It's simply a natural byproduct. So today on Pentecost Sunday, we are joining with millions of churches around the globe coming before God and saying, come Holy Spirit, fill us afresh, fill our church, fill our lives.